and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel, according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord. Then they came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as one of the scribes. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I am very, very proud of you. I don't say that quite enough. I know I'm not as good at stroking egos as other people are. Hopefully, since I say it less, it punches a little bit more, but I really mean it when I say I'm very, very proud of you as your pastor. That's true all the time. There are little things that happen throughout the course of a week that make the drudgery of the rest of it a little bit better, like everyone else, but but there have been several things over the course of the last five or six weeks that have been real moments of pride and enthusiasm for your pastor. The first started uh, just in those days right between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Jose Guadarrama, uh, that would be Tarcisio and Bernice's middle boy. They usually sit sort of over here. Uh, many of you would recognize both Tarcisio and Bernice on, on site, even if you don't have their names. Jose, uh, who's 14, developed very quickly and very rapidly uh, a very serious medical condition, and he's uh, still in recovery and learning how to do all the things again. Uh, this was really devastating for you know a couple without a lot of money, but who were very hardworking, who found themselves with skyrocketing medical costs and lacking the ability to work because they had to be there to take care of their boy. Last week at the Knights meeting, the boys passed the hat, and the Guadaramas got more money in a single round than anybody else has in the whole history of the parish. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. Our own dear Danny, the parish secretary, receptionist, she got sick too right after the new year, and again, it was quick and scary, right, Joe? And yet the outpouring of support that she received got so much, we had to push people off. She couldn't get better because too many people were trying to wish her well. That's still the case. She's getting better and she'll be back with us before long. She told me in the hospital, she said, people came to see me I didn't even know knew me. Now, if the priest gets sick, the priest winds up in the hospital. I'll be honest, we kind of expect this. Most parishes, people would check in on the priest. Most parishes, they wouldn't notice the secretary. I'm proud of you. Finally, last week, 
not the one just passed, but a week ago. We put the new door on the hallway going down to the Adoration Chapel, and that was deliberate to try and cut down on some of the unnecessary traffic that goes back and forth to that back bathroom. And it had its intended effect. Some of that traffic that would occasionally huddle up and sleep either in the bathroom or the hallway has been effectively eliminated. Unfortunately, they uh, took that as a sign we didn't want them at all. And so the very first night, or rather the next morning, I discovered a fellow sleeping outside my back door. The trouble is, if you recall, that night of Martin Luther King Day, the wind chill was like 40 below zero. So when the dog and I left in order to, to, to open the church in the morning, Reggie immediately jumped on this poor homeless man, curled up outside my window, and he didn't move. It's frozen solid. He was sleeping, just so you have this kind of oriented in your head. I sleep in the old housekeeper's quarters. So when you walk out the north door and go down the ramp, you're passing by the headboard of my bed. And so he was sleeping effectively four feet from where I was sleeping all night long. If he'd knocked on the door, I'd have given him the couch, but he didn't. And, and as a result, he froze to that wall. Now, thanks be to God, he's okay. We were able to get him appropriate medical support and in time, and he came back a couple days later, and we were able to get him fed and, and, and appropriately resourced. That's not what I'm proud of. In fact, to be honest, I'm a little embarrassed that I didn't find him until it was nearly too late. What I'm proud of is this. I told the kiddos that story during the week because it so deeply affected me and because I think it's important for our kids to know the real struggles of the poor in our community, that there are really people who really sleep outside at their school, at their church. And within 48 hours, I had dozens, not couple, dozens of ready-made single homemade meals for us to be able to distribute to the poor. Now, we've done this ourselves, uh, the, the priests and the rectory and some of the office staff. We keep food both in the office and in the hall so that when people come, we can't always give them everything they want, but they at least get a hot homemade meal, not out of a bag or something like that. Can't buy this at Dollar General. But real food and real companionship, at least for half an hour or an hour. And right away, people jumped to to make that possible. And many of them that did are parents of kids in the school that don't go to church as much as they should, but they at least got that part right. And I'm proud of them. I'm proud of you. The prophecy today, God makes a promise to the people about Moses, that he will raise up another after Moses who will be even greater. This isn't Joshua who replaces Moses, though his name is important, because, of, co of course, Joshua, the man who replaces Moses, bears the same name as our Lord. So who is ultimately the new Moses who comes to bring the new law? Joshua. That is Jesus, the Son of God. Now Moses had a complicated relationship with his people. He was, at times, proud of them, has there ever been, he says to God, a people such as this people? And at other times, he's frustrated as hell. Why did you give me these people? 
I will admit knowing a little something about that. But Moses ultimately lived in love for his people, thrived in the pride that he had in the people, the people that God had entrusted to his care. And I am at my best as pastor and priest when I am able to do the same. The Lord likewise shows us what good pride, healthy pride, not the sinful, arrogant stuff, looks like in the gospel. Listen here again. They came on to Capernaum, that is the city Jesus is very familiar with, a town he could call his own, and on the Sabbath Jesus entered the synagogue and he taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. The scribes were more or less talking footnotes. So they would say, well, yes, you should do this because it says that here, here, and here. Jesus never does that. He knows the scriptures backwards and forwards. He quotes them freely. They run trippingly off his tongue. But he doesn't feel the need to verbally footnote himself so that you know just exactly how smart he is. He just tells it like it is, as he honestly sees it. And fortunately for us, he sees it exactly right. In the synagogue, there was a man, pardon, in their synagogue, because it's the people's, in their synagogue, there was a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Even the evil one can recognize who he is. Even the evil one knows who this one is and what he can do. And he quiets the spirit and casts him out. Now we do battle here with our own species of evil spirits. Many of us have struggled with addiction or habitual sin, with dysfunctional relationships or toxic families. Many of us know what it's like to face evil in its ordinary domestic face every day, and we struggle with the right way to respond. And sometimes we face a more uncanny evil, the kind of evil that might even call out, I know who you are, get away from me. And even there, I stand proud of you, because when I've had to face that kind of evil in this place, universally, every time, you gather together and pray. You pray for those struggling with uncanny evil. You pray for those beleaguered by evil spirits. You suffer in penance and sacrifice so that those whom you love would be free because they are yours because they are ours the unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him and all were amazed and asked one another what is this a new teaching with authority the teaching has authority on its own it don't need a footnote Jesus doesn't have to prove his credentials. It's obvious to everyone who encounters him. It's even obvious to the people that kill him, 
because they fear it. A new teaching. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. A new teaching. Now Moses taught, and Moses taught well. In fact, he was frequently referred to simply as the teacher or the lawgiver. But Jesus teaches differently. The kind of teaching that Jesus does always invites it never, it never uh, insists or propels or pressures. It simply invites and shows the truth and invites the receiver to respond in love to the truth. Living the truth in love. That's the voice of authority that can command even the unclean spirits. That's the voice of authority that can quell even the stormy seas. It is the voice of love. It is the voice of love which always speaks the truth. It doesn't fear taking rightful pride in the goodness that it encounters in those whom it loves. It has no anxiety about naming fault because the naming of fault allows the one in fault to be released from it. We should never fear our sin. This is the most common thing. Father and I hear it every day in the confessional. I don't want to have to say this to somebody else. That's the devil. That's the devil. If you're afraid to admit your wrongs to somebody else, you're first of all arrogant, you need to knock it off, and you're going to be stuck in that sin forever. The surest way to never get over a sin is to refuse to admit it to somebody else. And if you're too proud to admit it to us, you will be too proud to admit it to God. Because someday you'll have to face him face to face. Not in the quiet privacy of your room. You'll have to be able to say, I did that, and I was wrong, and I don't deserve your love. Please forgive me. What you will not be able to get away with saying, what this guy couldn't say if he wanted Jesus' healing, is, well, I was really stressed out. Life was hard. I didn't mean to. And it wasn't that bad, really, was it? Yes! <laughs> it was exactly that bad. Probably actually worse. You don't get forgiven because you deserve it. You don't get grace because you're worthy. If you do, it's not grace. <laughs> it's not a gift. It's something you're owed in justice. And God don't owe you nothing in justice. You don't even deserve rightly to exist in justice. It's all gift. It's all gift. Which means every good gift we receive, every goodness we've ever known, Every little bit of gravy we get in this life is an act of love. Love from the God who sees you exactly as you are, as you really, really are. The truth of who you are, the truth you may not even be willing to admit to yourself, God sees and God loves. He just wants you to love it too. God wants you to love you because he made you. The hardest penance I ever give, I don't do it very often because it's hard and because it makes people upset, but it's important, and I can usually tell when it's the right call. The hardest penance I ever give is I send people into the adoration chapel. I tell them to look on the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, and I say, 
ask him to give you just a glimpse, just a glimmer of how he sees you. Don't ask for any more than that. You won't be able to take it. But just a glimmer, just a glimpse of how God sees you. And then, if you can bear it, ask him what he's proud of in you. What he takes delight in, in you. The things God, if he could be grateful, would be grateful for in you. The kinds of things that I am grateful for in you. Grateful to you for, but more grateful to God for in you. You can name that. No evil spirit will have any claim on your life. No habit will be unbeatable. No relationship unfixable. No situation in life ultimately unbearable. All of it will be redeemed by the one who comes with a new authority, who teaches a new teaching, the voice of eternal truth, calling out through the ages in pure and perfect love. It is that voice who speaks tonight and says, this is my body, this is my blood, it is for you. The only question is, what are you going to do with it?